Welcome to the Wellness Alchemy Podcast. I'm your host, Janelle Twine, naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist, and the owner of Seeds of Health. I love working on skin conditions with clients, diving deep into their inner world and supporting them to cleanse their mental, emotional, and physical environment. I also have a passion for fasting and I'm running my next annual fasting retreat in three weeks time in far North Queensland and I can't wait. The Wellness Alchemy podcast brings together health, truth and alchemy. And on today's episode, we have Emily Sugars talking about SIBO, which is an acronym for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Emily is a naturopath at the Biome Clinic in northern New South Wales, specialising in functional digestive disorders. She has worked closely with Dr. Narala Jacoby, international SIBO expert, since graduating as a naturopath nine years ago, and has recently completed a postgraduate honours in evidence-based complementary medicine. Emily also is the operations manager and practitioner consultant for SIBO Test, which offers at-home breath tests for the diagnosis of SIBO and education for practitioners in the treatment of SIBO. Emily loves music, animals and nature and loves nothing more than spending time with her beautiful dog, exploring the beautiful part of the world that they live in. Let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. Thanks for having me, Janelle. So we're going to talk about the topic of SIBO today, which is quite a complex issue, and I'll get you to explain what that acronym is soon. Um, but yeah, first of all, I just wanted to understand in pretty simple terms, what is SIBO and why do you feel it's critical that more people know about this area of health? Thanks, Nell. Um, SIBO is S-I-B-O and that stands for Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth. So basically, there's a bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine And typically, we're not really supposed to have a whole lot of bacteria in our small intestine. In our large intestine, yes, but not in our small intestine. So these little critters um, can cause a lot of problems um, and interfere with our digestion and absorption of nutrients because they produce gases that cause damage to our small intestine and our absorptive surface. Um, So, as you can imagine, if it's interfering with how we're digesting, then that's a pretty important um, area to address because this can cause a whole host of problems because we can get nutrient deficiencies and the flow-on effects from that. And then other um, uncomfortable symptoms like bloating and gas, abdominal pain, alternating bowels or predominant constipation or diarrhoea. Um, and you know, some of you might think, well, that sounds like irritable bowel syndrome or IBS. Um, and that is the thing. SIBO is really similar to IBS. And, Mm. um, so this is something that we found in, um, our clinic is that the normal treatments for IBS weren't working on people with SIBO. So, um, things need to, treatment needs to be changed up a little bit. Yeah. So I guess I wanted to talk more about that. You know, you've been working with SIBO for nine years now. So I was curious, you know, how you work with it differently. Um, What are the clues that differentiate SIBO to IBS? So good question. Um, The common um common clues that make me think oh this is SIBO um is 
a, a common symptom is bloating that happens immediately after meals. So patients will report sometimes within 20 minutes, they'll be so bloated that they get mistaken for being pregnant, mm. which is not a really nice symptom have to have, uh, especially if you're a male. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> doesn't really match up. Um, other symptoms, uh, or clues rather, um, uh, that's your little doggy in the background. It is. <laughs> um, other, other clues, uh, patients might mention to me that uh, they had a course of antibiotics for an, an unrelated uh, condition. Say they might have had an upper respiratory condition or a urinary tract infection or something like that. And they took the antibiotics and their gut symptoms went away temporarily. So that's also a clue. Mm-hmm. Um, and patients tend to, their symptoms t- tend to worsen or their bloating worsens on fibre. So often if you've got IBS and you know, you're told to drink more water, eat more fibre, these patients get worse. They, seem, they get way more bloating, they get way more pain. Um, and that is another clue. And why is and, that? What is happening in the small intestine to have fibre react in that way? So what's happening is that there's bacteria in the small intestine, so in the wrong place, that's gobbling up that fibre. Um, and then that's like a fuel source for the bacteria. And then as a byproduct of fermentation of those fibres, they're producing gases, mm. which mm-hmm. are causing yep. the issues. Just in the yeah. wrong spot. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So as simple as that, hey? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So knowing this, that's so interesting to differentiate to something that I guess we've heard more about over the years. You know, IBS has been on mainstream ads and is so commonly, that term so commonly thrown around. So knowing that difference, how can individuals support themselves if they feel they have some or a large number of these symptoms? How can they sort of work through to... Um, either clear the SIBO or even identify that they have SIBO and not IBS? So um, SIBO is a consequence of something. So it's, it's not just something that you have, it's caused by something. And often um, patients will report that they were never well since, you know, a episode of food poisoning while traveling overseas so you know that's just one other little clue so I guess with these like sort of specific little clues and symptoms um, there there is a questionnaire that's been created on our website um, the sebotest.com website and this just might be a really good place to start if if some of the things that I've said today have kind of raised true. Yeah. You know, yeah, just kind of like raise your eyebrows a little bit and gone, Oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, this is just like a 20 question, little multi-choice questionnaire, just asking a few specific questions about your symptoms. And um, this will give you like a little bit of an indication as to whether SIBO is likely or unlikely. And then that can like lead you on to, you know, testing for for SIBO. Further investigation, done, yeah. Yeah, which is done by breath testing. Mm-hmm. It's the, um, the best testing method we have available to us 
outside of more invasive um, duodenal aspirates that are, you know, had done, done by a gastroenterologist. Mm-hmm. So less invasive. Um, yeah. Beautiful. And I'll pop yeah. that link in the, in the show notes. Um, that sounds like a really simple place for people to, I guess, get a bit clearer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I wanted to query some of the gray areas or tricky spots when working with a condition like SIBO. Sure. Can- yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, well, no, I was just going to say, can can you elaborate on you know what what you are, when you what you find and and what I find when found when working with very few clients with SIBO, I um, haven't had a lot of them in my clinic. I I'm curious, um, like you spoke about before, what's that underlying cause that you find makes the case a little more complex, or perhaps causes repeated patterns over years. Yeah, of course. Um, so what you've just touched on there, Nellie, is that um, SIBO is a chronic relapsing condition. And the reasons why I see treatment fail um, with certain patients is it has, that SIBO hasn't been addressed in, in a holistic manner. And so what I mean like that is, by that is... Um, you know, when we hear the word bacteria, we think, okay, we kill the bacteria and then everything should be fine, right? But as I mentioned before, SIBO is the consequence of something. So we need to address the underlying cause of why SIBO has occurred in the first place. And you can have more than one underlying cause. So food poisoning could be, you know, your preceding um, experience before the symptoms came about and excuse me and this can affect our um our motility through the small intestine so what i mean by that is how um how food and food transits through our small intestine um so that can be affected with that underlying condition so that obviously needs to be addressed but other things like stress can be an underlying cause as well um and how that works is that um, stress or being in chronic fight or flight can affect the way we digest it. Mm. When we're in fight or flight, our blood flow is to our peripheries so we can run away or f- fight the predator that's in front of us. It's, it's mm. not our, um, our blood flow is not in, um, internalized into our organ organs so we can, um, secrete our digestive juices to help us digest and so if we're you know working at our computer and you know shoving our lunch down our throat we're not really in a rest and digest type Mm. state and so our digestive juices are our natural antibacterial control um, for any sort of bacteria that might be in our foods so that's a real like that's just one aspect that that I often see is a big contributor to mm. SIBO. I was going to give the exact same example because, you know, fight or flight <laughs> back yep. in the day when you were running away from the saber tooth tiger compared to fight or flight these days where we're just trying to do 15 things at once looks yes. very different, but it's the same experience mm. internally. Yes. And I, I always I talk with my patients about it being the 21st, century syndrome that everyone's just in chronic fight or flight there mm-hmm. you know we're in fight or flight when we're stuck in traffic where mm. we just never switch it off 
Mm. So, and it's, it's it really long-term has a detrimental effect on our systems just generally, not just our digestive system. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Okay. Well, although that was um, a very simple explanation of, I'm sure, quite complex cases that you dive into in your clinic, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast to um, share a little bit um, of insight for the everyday person that may be dealing with digestive issues. And I think from today's short discussion, they, they can understand a little bit more context, plus have that questionnaire that they can dive into. And then from there, if they feel like they need further investigation, you're the lady for them um, working at the SIBO test clinic in the Northern Rivers, New South Wales. Is that correct? Yeah, actually the um, SIBO test is where we do all the testing for SIBO, but I work at, like it's on the same property, but it's called the Biome Clinic. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, but we can, I can give you all those details um, if your um, listeners want to check things out. Yeah, great. Thanks, Em. What I do want to add to this episode is just a small discussion around the treatment protocol. Now, Emily and I decided not to dive into this because of all the variability, but I do want to mention just a few small things as a summary. So you would have noticed that uh, throughout the episode, SIBO is tested via breath test and whether there's a hydrogen or methane gas released depends on the treatment protocol. Some things that I considered is the underlying cause, which we spoke quite significantly about, the bacterial imbalance and also the motility being paralyzed due to the bacteria and or stress. So I hope that you can use the resources that I've added to the show notes and reach out via the Biome Clinic to support you if you feel like some of these things that have been discussed today have rung true. Thanks for joining us on the Wellness Alchemy podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe and leave a review or pass the episode on to a friend who may benefit. Until next episode, bye for now. Oh, 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 oh,